You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed and dejected episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 76-69 to in a game that Indiana led at one point 24-8. No, really, that actually happened. The first 12 minutes of the game did actually happen, even though they feel like two decades ago. But from that point forward, it was all Rutgers. And it is once again heartbreak and dejection for Indiana in the Big Ten tournament as the Hoosiers just relaxed and stopped doing the things that had gotten them that lead. And credit to Rutgers because they kept fighting. They obviously made a lot of really tough shots, uh, but they just took it to Indiana. And, and Indiana had a couple of chances late, but they got it down to one point and then the wheels fell off again. You can be sure that we'll talk about that in the meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, but the Hoosiers lose 76 to 69. Um, and it looks like the season is probably over because I don't know that Indiana uh, has the type of resume that'll get him into the NIT, but that all remains to be seen. But certainly their run in the Big Ten tournament is over uh, quicker, obviously, than most of us hoped or expected. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we will break down everything about this game here for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And we will start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And tonight's banner moment occurred right after the final buzzer as I ran back into my office to do the show. And my wife yells out, hey, at least we have the weekend to spend together. And she's absolutely right. I've been, you know, all weekend talking to my mom earlier today. Well, you know, I don't know if we can make plans for Saturday afternoon because if Indiana beats Purdue and we have a game, hey, whole weekend's free, guys. So that's uh, that's the positive. No, you know, look, in a game like tonight, it's really hard to choose a banner moment because there weren't many moments after the way Indiana started that you really felt like this team was on track to do much of anything. And I don't really want to go back to the start of the game because it turned out to be such a mirage and just wasn't built on anything that was going to last for the game. So uh, all I will say for tonight is the one positive is that Indiana finally made some free throws as the Hoosiers go 25 of 29 from the line, 86.2%. Free throws have cost them so many times this season. And tonight, it was kind of the one time when free throws kept Indiana in the game. It was about the only thing that they could do offensively. Al Durham put up one of the most ridiculous stat lines I've ever seen in double digits with 10 points without attempting an official field goal attempt because he got fouled on a couple of his three-pointers. He made all 10 of his free throws. So if we carry anything from this game forward, let it be a return to solid free throw shooting because it was about the only 40-minute positive uh, for Indiana on this otherwise uh, abysmal and forgettable night. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. And if you're wondering why you should check out their website, HoosierProud.com, I'll give you a few reasons. And we'll start with their designs. And I just saw uh, Connor tweeted out earlier today that they've got a couple new uh, IU basketball designs there. 
Uh, one, a really cool pennant with Indiana on it, uh, on a T-shirt, not like a standalone pennant, but it's on a T-shirt. And then a cool Indiana all the way uh, T-shirt, unfortunately. Kind of an ironic slogan for the T-shirt given Indiana's play tonight. But as you look toward the future and better days ahead, uh, that's a pretty cool looking T-shirt. So they've got those. The other officially licensed IU gear, uh, the, the really cool designs inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. And of course, our official assembly call T-shirts, all of those there at HoosierProud.com. And HoosierProud.com is proud to support Indiana-based charities. And so when you go to their website, you can find out all of the charities that they support. And another reason to go there is they're very generous to our listeners here on the assembly call. And so when you use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, you will get 15% off of your entire order. So check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with our bottoms line, brought to us by Andy Bottoms uh, and IUTickets.shop. Andy? Yeah, this was a... a I guess in some ways, maybe a fitting bookend to the season with the, uh, you know, the way the Indiana State game went. Although this was, as we talked about for a second before we got on here, totally different in the sense that, you know, IU really showed up and looked locked in at the beginning of this game. Uh, and then Rutgers really, you know, didn't back down, took the fight to them. IU played incredibly poorly defensively during a 10 possession stretch where they gave up 21 points. Um, That's I think Rutgers dead. scored on 10 straight, uh, 10 straight possessions, I think. And uh, and I think IU might have scored on one of those, uh, you know, turned the ball over five times in those. And, you know, it, it, it kind of came up in the Nebraska game, certainly came up in this game for all the, the ways that this team had kind of hidden its flaws over the course of the season. They were always still there, just waiting below the surface to, to creep back up. And even though the turnover number in and of itself tonight at 11 uh, wasn't wasn't huge, the timing of those was just brutal. Um, that stretch I mentioned in the first half, and then in the second half, a couple times with the ball, a chance to take the lead. Uh, some some bad turnovers, and quite honestly, the shot selection was just as bad, and um, led to you know pretty poor shooting numbers. You know, 53 field goal attempts, they made only 19. 24 of those 53 shots were from three point range for a team that cannot and has not proven that they can shoot the ball. And uh, and on the other end, you know, the defense that IU plays wants to take away you know, drives and, and shots at the basket and Rutgers ends up with 40 points in the paint uh, over the course of the game. And uh, just a just a complete breakdown outside of those first 12 minutes. And, and you know, I'll be curious to see what Archie says after the game. But, you know, he described his team as soft at various times during the season. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that's that's really how they played tonight. And, you know, I hope it won't be. But for now, it feels like it will be kind of one of the enduring things that we look back on this season about. Um Again, I think that's probably one of those where when we look back at last weekend, we probably had a different reaction to the game uh, in, you know, waiting 24 hours to have the show. Um, I'm sure we probably will have the same by the time we get together again and talk next week. But uh, right now, it just feels like that's a, a pretty apt moniker for the way that they uh, really went into a shell uh, after Rutgers came back and, and even coming out of the locker room at halftime didn't really come out with the, the fire that you kind of thought they, they might or that they could and, uh, and really didn't show it until the last few minutes of the game when it was too little too late. And now it is time for Ryan's rant brought to us by the big lead.com and Mensa. Uh, thanks, uh, look, if you're going to want, if you want to win a basketball game and, and you want to come away with the victory, you've got to actually want to win the basketball game. And it's got to show in your effort, in your intensity, in, I mean, in your face, you know, you just have to show something and show that you want to be in the game and show that you want to win the game. And um, that's 
not what happened tonight for Indiana. Once that run happened for, for Rutgers closing the first half, the look on the faces of the players just seemed like they knew it was over and they were down one at halftime. You know, you could have, I realized it was a bad run, but you could have come out and written a different story in the second half and been like, okay, yeah, you know what? That was a bad run. Let's, let's just start it over. It looked like they almost didn't care whether or not they won. And, and, you know, these are guys who did not play like their season and their careers were on the line. I mean, there are some seniors in there who didn't play well. Robert Johnson had one of his worst games of the year. I mean, I, I, we all love Robert, but four of 16 from the field and three of 10 from three point range. And he was, he was like one of eight or something for most of the second half. It wasn't like these were all at the end when he was just firing them up to try and get us back in the game. I mean, you can't do that in an elimination game. You just can't. And, 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 you know, uh, we've talked about consistency with these guys and they were just, this was, you know, inconsistent. And, and, you know, a guy like Zach McRoberts, uh, I know that he's a, you know, not a guy you expect a whole lot from, but, you know, uh, there was one turnover. He just threw directly to the other team in a key spot in the game. I mean, you, you can't do things like that. You just can't. And um, it, here's the thing that I think if you're Archie Miller and the coaching staff, you've got to look for for next year's Andy said you're going to have people saying you're soft and and you know all this stuff you've got a, a whole new group of players coming in next year you're going to be a much younger team um you will have some solid guys coming back but you know what next year you can't at all let any of this kind of stuff happen you cannot let a team come out against the worst team in the big 10 and drop a game you just can't and and i've said you just can't like six times in this rant because i'm just so perplexed by what happened tonight uh this is not an indiana team that deserved to keep playing and and it's not an indiana team that deserved um you know, to even be in this game, quite frankly, they just, they, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've seen this team do good things and we've seen this team do some pretty bad things. And tonight was a culmination and a combination of all of those bad things. That Rutgers team did not belong on the floor with Indiana. If you're talking about the way Indiana was playing two weeks ago and, and tonight uh, was by far the better team. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's inexplicable in a lot of ways, and I guess in other ways, kind of explicable given what we've uh, was what we've seen from this team this year: the 76 to 69 loss to Rutgers. And it's truly it, a maddening team. This was truly a maddening team. Well, it was, and you know, you think back. I mean, think about where we were. You know, Saturday, February 17th. You know, Indiana beats Iowa 84-82. They're 9-7, and 16-12 overall. You're looking at those, you know, those last two games there against Nebraska and Ohio State. Hey, if we can get one of these, you know, we're in pretty good position. We can make a run in the Big Ten tournament. Everybody's talking themselves into all this stuff. And uh, the one thing that I didn't hear anybody say is, what if Indiana loses three in a row? <laughs> you know, because I think we saw the team, you know, play those four games. And now you look at it in hindsight, and it's a lot easier to look at it and say, you know, you played four teams that were in the hundreds. You didn't really beat anybody impressive. What did we really learn? And I thought that we had really learned some things about this team, you know, that, that the defense had improved and that, that things were really going better. But it's almost like as soon as Indiana hit that spot where they were number one in the conference and in, in defensive points per possession allowed, they just boomeranged right back down and gave up a bunch to Iowa. And then the defense wasn't as good against Nebraska, Ohio State, or Rutgers. And so, you know, it's almost like this this group of players 
they just you know didn't have the collective will to keep playing at that high a level and we know that this team basically has to max out its effort to really compete on a night in night out basis and whether they got tired mentally and physically i don't know what it was but or just the competition level ratcheted up and they just weren't up to the challenge but uh, you know andy you look at these last three games and it's just been such a stark difference from the four games prior and it does kind of feel a little bit like what we've seen the past few years from Indiana outside of 2016, obviously, which is kind of a front running team that when things are going well, you know, they can look pretty good. But as soon as they take a couple punches in the mouth, you know, they really just aren't able to sustain it on a consistent basis. And that's what we saw against Nebraska. Um, you know, Ohio State, obviously, they played a little bit better and had a chance to win that one. But that's definitely what we saw tonight. And so to me, I think it's disappointing because. Now, in the span of two weeks, it really feels like we've given back so much of the improvement and maybe even the momentum that it felt like we would have going into this offseason. Yeah, it just felt like a team that was building confidence. And I kind of I kind of set the Ohio State game aside from that. I, I really thought that there were times that they that could, game could have really gotten away from them. And, and unfortunately, they couldn't, you know, come through with the player two at the end when they needed it. But there were times when they got down in that game and they really fought back. And you didn't really see that same fight tonight um just even they wanted that ohio state game badly they really did you could tell and just even seeing some of archie's quotes that you know kind of lost their composure and said the locker room at halftime just felt different and rutgers got all that confidence and iu never really was able to to regain it and they never played well enough to regain it either um which was you know as big a part of the problem as anything and i think you know for all the confidence that that maybe fans were gaining in the team maybe they never really had it completely in themselves and um, you know, things came pretty easy for them in the first part of this game. And, and a lot of that was because they were playing so well defensively. Um, and then it, you know, kind of just fed into not being able to get what they needed to do on, on offense. Juwan goes out with the second foul. The offense got really disjointed. Nobody was playing well at point guard. And it was Robert Johnson back in that, uh, you know, kind of back in that role of, of having to try to be the guy to create shots for himself. And as we've talked about over the course of the season, it's not when he's been at his best. And it didn't matter whether it was Newkirk or Devontae Green that was playing well. He needed somebody else to play well to set him up for shots. And many of the shots that he missed early in the game were ones that he was taking off the dribble, on the run, late in the shot clock, trying to make something happen, which is a role that, you know, he just wasn't successful in early in the season. And I think uh, it, when Juwan went out, it seemed like everybody kind of standing around waiting on him to make a play. And he was willing to take the shots. But, um, you know, he didn't shoot for a really long time in the second half until he made those couple threes at the end. Um, and, and it was just a just an odd game. But I think in the end, just a team that wasn't all that all that confident. And you, again, the, the flaws were still there underneath all of the, you know, the improvements and things like that. And the turnovers were still there. And, and you know, when the going got tough, they, they tended to kind of revert back to the things that uh, got him in trouble. Ryan, you have something that you'd like to say. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, uh, there's no excuse for what happened tonight. I think we all know that. But I think that uh, we also have to look at, if you're looking for reasons to be disappointed going forward or anything, I think you have to look at the fact that this roster was severely hamstrung all season. I think it was easy to forget that when they did win games in the Big Ten. But you're missing Deron Davis, which means that Juwan Morgan has to play somewhere he's not necessarily at his best, which is in the post. I, I think that, you know, John Crispin was mentioning it during the game. He's best when he can start up top and attack from there and maybe even start there and then back down and get into the post as opposed to just catching it on the post and working there. He's not a pure post player. Maybe he'll get better at that in the offseason. But that's a guy who is who the thing about him that makes him great is his versatility and his ability to take you know, take on guys who are power forwards, not not enormous centers. So um, I think that 
you're missing Deron Davis. Colin Hartman was never never looked fully healthy this year. I mean, he had he had three wide open three pointers in this game that were just so far off. And it's I mean, it's sad because he clearly is not healthy, and he's if he looks like he's playing on one leg and one arm. Um, you had guys like Robert Johnson who never got to the consistency level they needed. Devontae Green was never consistent. You're starting a walk on in Zach McRoberts for most of the year. I mean, all of these things add up, and you realize. This was a bit of a house of cards for a while, and and, and you got to give Archie Miller and the staff credit for getting anything out of these guys. I mean, they did finish sixth in the conference, though it was a terrible conference. Um, but I think we need to understand that hopefully better days roster-wise are coming with the new group that's coming in, um, who are all, I think we can all agree, are all really promising basketball players some of whom are already solid uh and and should be fine at the next level but i just think that you know this roster had serious serious flaws and it had them all year and and at times they get covered up because individuals would play pretty well or play above their station a guy like freddie mcswain had a stretch uh you know a stretch of games where he was fantastic but he's also a six six guy who can't do anything outside 10 feet or you know like eight feet offensively um you know i mean they're just inherent flaws to this roster uh that archie miller and his staff are going to have to work on in the offseason to get better i mean they're going to have to get if Devonte green's coming back which i have no indication to believe that he's not that's a guy who has to get more consistent uh if there, there's a guy like justin smith he's got to get stronger he's got to get better at finishing the rim he's got to make it so a team like rutgers can't run him out of the game you know you've got to get uh al durham to be able to to find out how to how he can do more things offensively uh, and more consistently, you've got to te- tell Zach McRoberts to shoot the dang basketball. You know there there's a lot there. Uh, you got to improve the free throw shooting. I know we saw it tonight, but hey, that could be one game fool's gold. So there's a lot of work to go into this. And as far as I am considered, as far as I consider it, next season starts tomorrow for these guys. Because they are not going to have the extra three weeks of practice or whatever it is, you know, you get when you're in a tournament in a postseason tournament. And quite frankly, they didn't earn those couple extra weeks of practice. So these guys need to get their butts in the weight room. They need to get their butts in the gym. They need to get their butts in Cook Hall and be shooting. I mean, this is. Do you want to be a great program or not? And and we we talk about that. We talk. We've talked about the fans not showing up, and and we've mentioned you know. If you want to be considered a great program as fans, you have to show up at games. Well, these guys got to play like they want to be at a top program or the fans aren't going to come back. And, and so that's where I stand right now. This is on the coaching staff. This is on the returning players. It's on the incoming players. Once they're done with their state tournaments, get in the gym and get better because you have a chance to impact this team next year. So that's how I feel about it. I think that uh, there's a lot of promise with this coaching staff and with the future guys coming in, but at the same time, they got to work for it. And, and that's something that just, you know, some of the guys Indiana has on this roster did not develop the way they were supposed to, did not get to the spot that they were all, you know, that we all assumed they would get to. And that's a lack of hard work and that's a lack of dedication. Wow. That was, that was quite a rant. <laughs> Get two rants rant. for me when the season ends against Rutgers. God, the season ended against Rutgers. Uh, don't don't even say those words out loud. All right, coming up on the did, Jared. I know, I know. We all watched it happen. Uh, all right, coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. We will go inside the numbers and then surely take some more big picture uh, views of this Indiana program here and what 
we all assume is the last show of the season. Uh, crazier things have happened, but that certainly seems Regular like the likelihood season. right now. It's definitely the light, yeah. All right, that's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 76 to 69 loss to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. And before we move on with tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, a quick word about our friends at SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, planning on getting out uh, to a Mavericks game to see Yogi play this year. I haven't done it yet because it's a little bit difficult to do it during the season, but now I have plenty of free time on my hands. Uh, and hey, if you're in New York and you'd like to catch some Big Ten basketball uh, and you don't mind Indiana not being present uh, when you're watching, I'm sure there will be plenty of tickets on SeatGeek at very, very affordable prices uh, for the Big Ten tournament in New York if you want to watch uh, any of the quarterfinal, semifinal, or final games this weekend. So uh, grab the SeatGeek app. It really is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever because SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, our listeners here on the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, well, it is time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, there was one, you know, kind of ray of hope for Indiana there at the end of the game. And I just, especially after the way the game started, you know, obviously Rutgers hit Indiana with several haymakers and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, and, and things looked really bleak there for a while. But I kept expecting Indiana to make a run because it's like, you know, this is Rutgers. And even when they're ahead of us in, in games, just like in 2016, we find a way to make a run and, and eke it out. And I just kept thinking that's what was going to happen. And so it's 51-48. Al Durham got a really tough defensive rebound. Uh, goes coast to coast. He actually had a nice little move, you know, dribbling behind his back to avoid a steal and just with a head of steam went down into the lane, uh, got fouled, made both of his free throws. That put him at 10 out of 10 from the line for the game. So excellent composure from the young guy. And it's 51-50. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. And then Indiana goes down on defense. And Robert Johnson plays good defense on Corey Sanders, who actually missed a shot. Uh, and Indiana gets the rebound. But then 
everything fell apart because Devontae Green turned it over on a pass to Juwan Morgan. And I know, you know, John Crispin credited Freeman's defense for that play, but not a great pass by Devontae either. Corey Sanders goes down and scores on a drive down the right side. It's 53 to 50. So they're thinking, all right, only three point game. Let's get a good shot. You know, let's find a way, get it back to one. Colin Hartman <laughs> takes a step back three pointer. And misses early in the shot clock. I don't know what he was thinking. It was a terrible decision to shoot it for anybody, let alone a guy who's really been struggling. So it's still 53-50. Baker goes down, hits a three-pointer, and it's 56-50. And it was like in the snap of a finger, Indiana you know, got it to a one-point game, and then immediately Rutgers pushed it right back out. And look, credit Rutgers for making those couple shots. But but this has been Indiana's problem is when the offense has played badly, it's turnovers and poor shot selection. And we saw it right there. And it was kind of a microcosm of what has happened this year in the, uh, uh, to Indiana when they have played poorly, Andy. So, uh, you know, that really stood out to me because it effectively ended any chance Indiana. I know they kind of had a few last gasps there and they got it to three uh, when Newkirk made a couple of free throws late. But I really felt like once they kind of frittered away that opportunity, the game was basically over there. Yeah, that was definitely the the. Uh, although I didn't miss it, I uh, but that was definitely the the stretch that I thought. You know, they'd really seemed to get a little momentum offensively, which is really where things were. You know, the the defense was certainly not good either, but they at least had started to get some confidence by seeing the ball go in the basket, and uh, you know, had managed to fight their way back. There were a couple other situations where they seemed to be, you know, getting back in the getting back in the game. There was the one pass that. I think it was Devontae or Newkirk tried to throw this almost like length of the floor pass to Durham. Um, again, just any time it felt like they could have seized some momentum, they just, you know, just those were when the turnovers came up. I mean, again, over the course of the game, if you said they made 11 turnovers, I don't know that you would inherently say that that's terrible, but every one of them seemed to come at a just awful time that either killed chances for IU to get momentum or gave – uh, additional momentum to uh, you know to Rutgers. I mean, those those two in a row in the first half where they were led to you know layups or or dunks um, during that stretch as well. When you know everybody was wondering you know why Archie didn't call timeout and those kinds of things. And it was kind of funny to you know I don't know if it was like a test for himself to see like how much growth this team had had. You know they they so they talked about it coming out of the half and you know wanted to see if his team could play through it. And it was like no <laughs> no they could not. <laughs> And, um, you know, it was one of those, right, you know, he just maybe wanted to see how far they'd come or whatever. And I guess in some ways not being able to handle that, you know, showed, you know, the the ultimate issues that, that were the downfall. Don't we know team. that you can't trust the guards at this point in well, a situation like that? I mean, I don't, know, I, don't know why, I don't know why you must, assume that, Jared. I, mean, I would have liked able to, to see run the, out there. I mean, well, they should have run the get Al Durham fouled in a three-pointer play that was so effective in the second half. So three points per possession. It's our, it's our best offense. Not bad. Not get, bad. get out and fouled on a three. I'll tell you the other moment that stood out to me, and this kind of harkens back a little bit. Uh, one of you two guys was reading from the, the postgame comments that Archie was making about the energy being different at halftime. Did you see the extended look of Archie's face right before the second half when he was yep. sitting on the sidelines? That is not a man who looked particularly confident or happy. He just looked angry but almost like a sullen anger, like he kind of knew what was going to happen. And I was... I do not blame him one bit. I, well, I don't either. And it didn't give me any confidence seeing it at the start of the second half, and no, it made what, what we continue like, to see in the second half more explainable. You know what he looked like? He looked like a guy who had had a bad New York Street hot dog. It, <laughs> You know, like there was just, oh, indigestion or 
cramping, maybe something worse. I mean, that that was the look on his face. It did. And it looked like he he knew, you know what? This this team's not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. And that's the way it felt, though. I mean, you looked it at did. him going into the locker You looked at him coming out. And I was thinking when that happened, I was thinking, okay, Archie's going to lay into him and they're going to respond. And at least they'll sort of turn this around and be, you know, I, I don't know, at least have the effort. Whether or not you win, fine. But to have that effort. Um, and that's what you want as a fan. I, you know, wins and losses with a team built like this are, are, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And, and losses are, you know, I don't want to say they're acceptable, but you understand when you're an undermanned, not that talented team and you lose, you understand it as long as they play hard and they look like they want to win the game. This team didn't show that at all from about for the last 30 minutes of the game. I had no indication that they wanted to win this game or felt like they were going to win this game. And, Archie Miller's a competitive guy. He's not going to be okay with that kind of reaction. And so that that's what it looked like to me too, Jared. He just looked like a guy who was just like, yeah, there's nothing else I can do, you know? And, and quite frankly, I was looking, I was, you know, during the second half, I was thinking, okay, what can he do here? Who can he put in? There was no combination of players he could put in that was going to win this game. I mean, he, he truly couldn't. I mean, you take out Devontae Green, you got to put in Robert Johnson or, you know, I, Newkirk or, you know, I mean, like he just, there was no combination of guys. We're going to win it. Justin Smith. We all love Justin Smith. He played like he was yeah. walking through this game. And again, Madison Square Garden, a freshman, uh, you know, uh, a Rutgers team that really wanted to win and was playing very physical. I mean, it took him out of the game. It just took him out of the game. And, and you know, maybe you expect that from a, from a young guy like him, but um you know, there, there was no replacement anywhere for any of this. And, and so, you know, it's just it's just sad to see a team go out that way when you've seen them at least fight so hard in some games, especially in that Ohio State game. I mean, those guys were put it all on the line in that Ohio State game and lost. And it was disappointing. And I, I think there may have been even that disappointment of that loss with how much they put into that may have hung over to this at some point and just been when it started going poorly, they just felt like it was inevitable and, and acted that way. And that's just, you know, you got to have a short memory in, in basketball. You really do. You can't let things like that build, but I wouldn't have expected they, them to play so well at the beginning though. If there was some I agree. Kind of hangover, I, you know? I agree, but I think that maybe it was the kind of thing where once Rutgers came back and they felt like they were just being outgunned completely, they just felt like it was inevitable that they were going to lose. And you look at the way that the the Nebraska game finished. You look at the way that the um, the Ohio State game finished. And you look at the way that this game finished. And it was, you know, all of them were huge disappointments. And, and I just feel like this team maybe got in a pattern where they just lost. They just lost the games. And, and you know, it, this wasn't the other team winning it. it. It was them losing it. And I think that Ohio State, that was Ohio State winning the game. But I think it probably for them felt like, they lost it because they had the game won and then wound up going home empty-handed. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss to Rutgers. And, you know, look, the other thing there is, too, I mean, Indiana was relying on some guys, Robert Johnson, Juwan Morgan, who logged a lot of minutes and a lot of heavy physical minutes. You know, and Juwan especially, you know, it seemed to take its toll on him down the stretch. Now, you look at the final numbers tonight, and they're they're not that bad. I mean, Juwan goes 15 points. He has four assists, nine rebounds, had a steal and a couple of blocks. You know, he was relatively efficient. It only took him nine shots. He actually made some free throws, five of seven. 
um, you know, was in some foul trouble in the first half. So we only played a total of 29 minutes. And, you know, Archie mentioned in his postgame comments, you know, that Indiana didn't do enough to get him the ball and get him involved because Rutgers really defended him well. I thought Freeman, you know, isn't an overly big guy, but he's just as quick as Juwan. And so, you know, he was really able to kind of outbattle Juwan for position and, and, and Indiana really had a tough time getting he's the ball super inside strong to him. Too. You can tell he's yeah. just these guys like crazy. Yeah, he is. So, uh, you know, uh, Juwan, I think, it, uh, you know, tried his darndest out there, but still he doesn't seem like quite the same guy that he was three weeks ago, you know, just in terms of his ability to jump and, and to get some of those rebounds he was getting to before. And for what it's worth, I saw our Josh Margolis tweet out uh, from the press conference that Juwan said he hasn't made his decision on what he'll do about next year. You know, and I take that to interpret that he'll probably put his name in and get feedback as we've all thought. Um, and kind of see, yeah, and see what the feedback is as he should. And so that'll just be something that we need to kind of look at as we go down the line here in the off season. Um, it, you know, but Andy, as we look at numbers, I mean, look, I think the one that stands out on the positive side for Indiana is rebounding, uh, at least defensive rebounding. Indiana rebounds 91.3% of Rutgers misses. Now, granted, Rutgers didn't miss a heck of a lot of shots there. <laughs> I mean, especially over the final 28 minutes of the game. Uh, but Indiana did a nice job of rebounding, and this is a Rutgers team that's you know a pretty good rebounding team. And so that was a key for Archie Miller coming into the game because Indiana's been pretty terrible in terms of its rebounding lately. But man, then you look at some of the other defensive numbers, and Rutgers, you know, just an atrocious offense. They put up 1.15 points per possession, and I know they made a lot of tough shots, but Indiana also didn't have the same grit and toughness that they've been showing on defense, and an effective field goal percentage of 62%. I mean, it was really just. Uh, Rutgers only hit four three pointers. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, they only like took it, eight. I mean, they, they were just eight. hammering yeah, yeah. it inside. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing is and that Sanders like, made a ton of ridiculous long twos, and when he's going to make those, you know, that makes them a lot better. But I, I tweeted this out, but he has one move. How are our guys just not like overplaying the step back? Like I, I don't get it. I'd rather put him on the line than let him have that step back over and over again. Like Sanders, it's funny. He had twenty eight points. He had no rebounds. He only had three assists, and he had three turnovers. He did nothing but hit step backs. That's it. That's the only thing. I mean. Credit him. He had a great a couple, game. A couple monster dunks. Let's not. Let's that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he like, did have those those two pretty ridiculous dunks. But but no, I mean that was the thing is he just made those. Uh, he just made those step backs. It was that was all he did all game. Yeah. Whereas like Freeman had fifteen points, eight rebounds, five steals. Like you know, I mean, I thought he was he had a better overall game. But anyway, that's that's Rutgers and ugh. Andy, Andy, what jumped out to you numbers was? I mean, just some of the shooting numbers for Rutgers. They shot sixty-eight percent in the second half. Um, you know, like like Ryan said, they didn't shoot threes. They took they had twenty-five shots in the second half. They took four threes, and and I think that was ultimately, you know, those. They only made two more than us, and we took twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing. Even in the, at some point, obviously, I took some threes late to to really try to get back in the game, which was the only time they hit any. But you know, there were large stretches. They had gotten Rutgers in foul trouble, actually making free throws in the bonus. And there was one, I think I, I tweeted something coming out of a timeout, how many threes IU had shot, how few they had made, and that they needed to be aggressive. And they proceeded to not get the ball inside the three-point line over the entirety of the possession, and I think they turned it over. Or it was a couple possessions in a row, actually, at that point, where they just didn't do anything. Yeah. Sorry, that's not a stat. That's just aggravating. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry. Andy's rant brought to you. I thought this was the airing of grievances section where you could just talk about whatever you wanted. That the whole did. show is an airing of grievances, so um, you just just freestyle if you need to. You know, one of the I, you know I mentioned the points in the paint earlier. Um, you know, assist wise, you know, IU had twelve assists on nineteen makes, which from a rate perspective is not too bad. But I thought there were you know just way too many times that they weren't getting things off of any kind of offense. That it was a lot of you know one guy breaks somebody down and and then see what happens from there. And I thought that was, you know, part of the, part of the issue with, with Juwan a little bit, you know, they were Rutgers was really physical with him inside, pushed him out on the floor. And I thought it was a nice drive. He had to the basket in the second half where it's like, I'd rather they try to set him up that way and see if he could get something on the move. Cause he wasn't getting anything uh, in the post. But, you know, I think some of that led to, you know, kind of a, a low assist total, you know, 12 assists, 11 turnovers, obviously not a good number. Um, the free throw shooting green had zero turnover or assists tonight. Yeah, yeah, the free th- and that was you know that was what I he said. had a couple he had a couple hockey assists where he'd give it to a guy and they give it to the guy who scored, but still not not I mean not enough yeah. considering the other stuff. Yeah, just I mean mostly to me it was the shot distribution. Archie mentioned the you know shot selection in the first half again twenty four of fifty three shots from three point range for a team that hasn't proven they can shoot three pointers and certainly didn't change that belief uh, tonight. The free throw shooting, quite honestly, is amazing. I, I can't still is. It, it's you know that's the one thing that jumps out. If you told me this team's going to shoot twenty nine free throws and make eighty six percent of them, I would never have guessed they would lose a game to to Rutgers. Um, I would have thought you would have been talking about Wisconsin playing at the Kohl Center. Yeah, see there you go. But uh, yeah, the other the other one we've talked about this a lot in terms of you know kind of blocks and steals combined as a you know some kind of measure of defensive activity. Only two blocks and six steals, um, and, and a lot of those steals came early. I'd be curious to know what that number was. Um, even after the, you know, first 10, 12 minutes of the game, because I thought there weren't. We got a bunch of them early. Yeah, there was a lot of you know points off turnovers. That IU ended up outscoring them points off turnovers. They had sixteen, but I think you know a lot of those really came early when they were struggling. But uh, you know, bench points. Rutgers ended up with thirty. I think they've done some different stuff with their lineup. So you know, Freeman and, and Baker both came off the bench uh, as the guys that scored, and that'd been really an area that IU had gotten a lift pretty regularly. But even even that, IU did get twenty three points off there with some. Fairly unexpected contributions with the, you know, what, what they got from Al. Yeah. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Rutgers, our airing of grievances. Uh, and I want to talk about Archie Miller a little bit um, in a micro level this game and then on a micro level too, uh, or micro level this game and a macro level too. And then we'll break down the other uh, angles of this game. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Breaking down Indiana's loss to Rutgers in what we hope is not our final postgame show of the season, but certainly feels like it given uh, how Indiana has whimpered to the finish line here and the lack of hefty wins on the resume uh, that, that will likely uh, see them as one of the odd teams out when it comes time to fill that NIT bracket. Let's talk a little bit about Archie, guys, because you know we're, we're now done with, you know, at least through the Big Ten tournament with his first season. Um, and, and we've all been, I think, very positive of the growth that we've seen. But, you know, I have to say I was pretty disappointed tonight um, with some of the decisions and some of the things that we saw. I mean, obviously, the team was prepared to play because they came out and played very well. They weren't 
obviously prepared to compete for 40 minutes. And you can certainly put some of that on the coach, but some of that is also on some older guys who just, you know, didn't quite bring the mentality that they needed. But, you know, I really thought during that critical stretch in the first half, and we talked about his decision not to call timeout. Um, and I know that he likes to sit guys with two fouls in the first half. And so Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan sat, you know, but I look at that over the final four minutes of the first half and this lead has dwindled. You know, you're barely hanging on to momentum and you've got Devonte Green's on the bench because he hadn't been playing particularly well. Robert Johnson, Juwan Morgan sitting there because of the fouls. And so you're running out there, you know, Josh Newkirk, a lineup of Josh Newkirk, Al Durham, Zach McRoberts, Freddie McSwain and Justin Smith how is that lineup going to score points and how is that lineup going to stop the bleeding that we are seeing? So I felt like maybe that was one of those times that you don't just, I guess, you know, treat your, your two foul rule uh, with the same dogmatism that you may in other situations. Uh, and then I thought in the second half when Indiana was struggling to get going offensively, you know, why didn't they do some more things to mix it up? I know you guys talked about, you know, some of the difficulties Indiana had with, with, you know, the inability of the guards to create and break people down. Um, but, you know, and Archie even mentioned, it, you know, getting Juwan Morgan the ball in different spots. Why didn't we recognize that in the moment? So I just, for a team that I think a lot of times has made the right moves and has adjusted and has had answers, this tonight felt like a team and a coach that didn't have the answers. And so I think it's fair. We, you know, we've praised Archie a lot this season, but I think, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it's fair to say, you know, I don't, I haven't lost my confidence in him by any means. But these last three games shook me just a little bit just because I was expecting more um, and not just from the players, but also, you know, from from a coach that I thought would be able to extract a little bit more from these guys down the stretch than what he was able to do. Um, Ryan, is that a, a fair criticism in a macro sense and a micro micro sense? Sure. I look, I, I mean, when when you lose a game like this, everybody deserves blame. And, and look, we blamed Archie Miller, uh, you know, and the staff as part of it when they lost to Fort Wayne. We blamed him when they lost to Indiana State. I mean, this is, you know. The, the the coaching staff is part of the team, and I think a lot of people forget that. You know, when uh, when things go poorly, and they blame it on one or the other, and it's like, no, 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 the, this group is a team, all of them, and and that goes down to the managers and the you know the bench guys to the walk ons. Everybody is involved, and you know it 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 takes a village to screw up something this badly, and uh, you got to give everybody in the village credit for it. Um, but what I would say about about Archie that has encouraged me this year is he has never blamed anyone but himself when things have gone badly. And, and you see him tonight saying, you know, he takes the blame for uh, Zach Osterman tweeted that Archie's taking the blame for not getting Jawan the ball in, in better positions. And he's, you know, discussing, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, that happened towards the end of the first half and, um, you know, the way that they, uh, you know, their shot selection went away and all that stuff. And, and and he he puts it on himself to win games and to, you know, get this team where it should be. And so uh, that gives me encouragement for the future that he's going to look at this as a, you know, as his failure and something he has to improve too. And yeah, maybe the, you know, I think that the two fouls thing might have something to do with not knowing whether or not he can trust some of the guys on the roster not to get those third fouls. And I think with a year in the system and, and more time with the players that he's going to have, maybe he will open up some more trust in that. And maybe he'll also have more depth that he can rely on the second string guys who are in there to actually 
produce when those top tier players are out with foul trouble. So hey, I um, think that's just his philosophy. It goes back to Dayton. And it might be, too. and it might be, but I, I think that also you have to look at the fact that there's two, you have to look at those two things. It's like, even if it is straight, his, that's just his philosophy. Well, in the end, he's probably also used to having second unit guys. He can rely on to score and, you know, make things happen, which he does not have right now. So, um, yeah, I think that it's all, you know, like judging him off of this year is really tough for Indiana fans. I think we saw some good, we saw some bad, and it's on the, um, you know, it's really on the the coaching staff to figure out what worked, what didn't, and to sort of, you know, knock out the negative this offseason and, and bring in guys that that can get this thing turned around quickly. Andy, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely thought the end of the first half was, um, I, I don't it's probably too much to say that's where the game was lost, but uh, it, in retrospect, it kind of felt like it. I just thought, you know, the timeout thing was, was one that, you know, almost as soon as it got to nine or even even seven, it just felt like things were really starting to get away from him. And and I can kind of see sitting Juwan with the two fouls. I mean, you saw what Rutgers tried to do coming out of the locker room. They really tried to go after him. I give them credit for, you know, trying to put pressure on him. I, I, he didn't pick up his third foul, but, you know, they did get a couple baskets inside. Um, and he did put Newkirk back in at some point toward the end of the half with two fouls again. Obviously not the same as having uh, Robert or Juwan in there. And I think that's where, you know, they just couldn't score at that point. And it was funny because I said the same thing about the lineup. And, you know, my wife was quick to bring up, um, you know, the end of the first half of the Ohio State game. They had a really odd lineup in and that kind of got him back in the game. So it wasn't, I guess... Uh, unprecedented that you know an unlikely group of guys was able. Was that to because of Al Durham's <laughs> free throws? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think he shot free throws, and that he was part of that in the uh, you know, in the end of that half against Ohio State. But um, I, I guess, in fairness, Devontae and Robert Johnson have been two of the biggest culprits in the run too. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I thought that was I thought that was rough, and then the second half, I just felt like he was kind of grasping to find anything that would work lineup wise. I thought McSwain was one of the guys who was playing harder than anybody, particularly at the start of the half. And then he went out for a while. I think he just tried to go to Hartman to see if he could get, you know, get a spark out of him. Um, Justin Smith didn't really play particularly well. And so he didn't get a ton of minutes, but you know, he was a guy, would you have liked to at least uh, in a game that you're struggling to score, have him in there. Maybe he gets some offensive rebounds and do something like that. Maybe you could have seen him more, but it, you know, you, you kind of sit there and look and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to play the guys who are playing well, and and you might end up with you know one to two guys on the floor if you're, you're only going to play the guys that are playing well. So I think he just got to a point in the second half where just kind of grasping, trying to find anything that would work, and um, ne- never really found that combination that was able to to click on both ends of the floor. I think they were able to make a few strides offensively, but then you know defensively they couldn't get stops. Is yeah. it me or could you really see Freddie McSwain fitting in on that Rutgers roster? Just like a bunch of beefy physical guys who are like Energizer bunnies. You know, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm never going to get to see Freddie suit up again. I, I enjoyed I agree. the last half of the season. I enjoyed his growth. Yeah. He, I tell you what, and you know what play really signified it? Because Andy, you're right. In the second half, I thought he was the one guy who came out for Indiana the first five minutes. I mean, he was keeping Indiana alive with offensive rebounds and tough plays on defense. But there was one play, and I think it was in the second half, where he, I think he set a screen for Devontae and rolled to the basket, and Devontae got it to him. And he actually, on the move, caught the ball, took a dribble, and found Juwan Morgan for a layup. 
Like it's just the kind of play that Freddie wouldn't have even come close to making because he wouldn't have, you know, rolled properly. He wouldn't have caught the ball and he wouldn't have had the vision and the ability to make the pass. And now as his senior year ends, he makes that play. And so, you know, look, Freddie is an extremely limited basketball player. But what you love seeing is a guy maximize his ability. You know, and so you're frustrated when you see a guy like Robert Johnson go out shooting four for 16 because you know he's capable of so much more. You know, this was not a good performance from Robert Johnson. But, you know, Freddie, you know, he got six rebounds. He scored eight points, you know, had that nice assist. He goes four for four from the line. And you talk about a guy that really extracted the maximum out of what he has. He was, you know, he really ended up being one of the most enjoyable parts of the final two months of the season. And hat tip to him. And I think it's also fair to, you know, hat tip to Archie Miller for putting him in positions to succeed uh, because, you know, look, weird to say, but I shudder to think where this team would be without, would have been without Freddie McSwain this year. So uh, let's reset here real quick. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms and Ryan Phillips for breaking down Indiana's loss to Rutgers. Andy, what other grievances uh, do you have to air about this game or about this season in general? Uh, we can certainly talk about some other individuals from this game, but I'm not, not sure that's yeah. necessary. <laughs> kind of is that is that really? Yeah, do we really want to do that? I'm not sure that's necessary at all. I mean, no. no, probably not. No, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Robert Johnson's obviously, you know, the the other guy that probably makes some sense to talk about just because he shot the ball so poorly um, in his in his last game, uh, and it. it I thought some of the shots he took in the first half, you know, to kind of go back to some of the, you know, really trying to create shots for himself off the dribble. He hit one long two. um, But then after that, you know, it was really seemed to get put in a position where other guys weren't creating. He wasn't a spot up guy like he had been, and he wasn't really getting any clean looks going to the rim. And, and so he was having to shoot, you know, runners and things like that. He just didn't, didn't shoot the ball. Well, I thought he took some ill-advised shots um, at times and, and really, um, Mm-hmm. And really, it just really struggled. So disappointing to see him um, go out that way in a game they really needed him. And I thought defensively, there were times that he played well against. I mean, I thought in the first game and even in the first part of this game, Devontae did a really good job on Corey Sanders. Um, and then once Sanders started to heat up and get some confidence, it was just it didn't matter who was guarding him at that point. And you know, to Ryan's point, the you know dribble to the elbow, step back, dribble to your right to the elbow, step back jumper. It was that or, you know, hard line drive to the hoop were pretty much his uh, his moves at that point that I never really was able to find an answer for. And so I thought there were times that he really, you know, was tight on him uh, with, uh, you know, defensively and he made shots over him. I thought those other times that that he and other guys just couldn't keep Sanders in front of him. So, um, you know, kind of a disappointing game. But he was the other one that was at least kind of the focal point just from a you know number of shots taken in the, that kind of standpoint that we talked about a little bit. But he, you know, he kind of got back into having to play. Uh, Batman instead of Robin, as we've we've talked about over the course of the season, and it, it, it worked out how it did uh, a lot of times early on. So uh, one of the questions I think people are going to ask, and th- this comes from a, a tweet from Stu Jackson, said Archie quickly said no when asked if Indiana was considering anything beyond the NIT, so you know like the CBI for postseason play. NIT again, Indiana sixteen and fifteen with no big wins. I know, you know, there was a day a long time ago that if Indiana, you know, happened to miss the NCAA tournament, which rarely happened, you just kind of assumed the NIT. Well, this is not that, uh, you know, a lot of times you would think that the sixth place team in the Big Ten would automatically be in the NIT if they didn't make the NCAAs. But not this, this is year. not this is not that season. Uh, so I will be very surprised, really, if Indiana is even strongly considered for the NIT, given some of the NIT bracketology that I've seen. 
So what are your guys' thoughts on just automatically passing up the CBI tournament? Just real quickly here, I was kind of glancing back through some of the previous uh, years in the CBI, and, and Indiana kind of famously you know, said that they wouldn't do it a, a few years ago. You know, and the only like big conference team that I'm seeing is Colorado was in it from the Pac-12 in 2015. You know, otherwise it is not a tournament that lower tier teams from the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC typically participate in. So it's not like Indiana saying no would be some, you know, thing totally out of character for what other big conference teams do. Do you guys agree with that decision? Would you like to see Indiana yeah. just play games no matter what? Hundred percent agree with that decision. Uh, it's you know, it's it's it is below i i want to i mean i know this sounds so friggin snobby and i really hope there's nobody from west lafayette listening because they'll of course attack me on twitter which is well never mind that's fun you can do that um but it's it's below the program it is i mean that that sounds snobby but it is it's, it's a tournament that you know the nit at least has some history to it and um you know, you get you get the chance to play Madison Square Garden, which clearly didn't work out tonight for Indiana. Home, but, home of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, home of the Big Ten tournament. Um, but you know, I mean, there's there's some history there. You can point to it as like, hey, you know what? It's the secondary tournament. We're building something. Blah blah blah. The CBI is kind of a joke. And Penn I, State played in it in 2014, so I did find yeah. a Big Ten team. So there you go. I mean, that's that's. You know, it's below Indiana's level of a tournament. I don't think they should play in it. Um, and, you know, I don't think they're going to get in the NIT. So I think the season's over. Uh, they'll oh, have- Purdue played in it in 2013. <laughs> so, yeah, it's beneath our program, as I said, Jared. Uh, <laughs> that's right. They did play in it. I remember that. Yeah, um, that year, Purdue played in it. Te- uh, Texas played in it as well. So there were a few more bigger teams. But the recent trend has been no big conference yeah. teams playing in it. So I would say, I would say no. That's that's my answer, and uh, I think that's the right answer. I mean, I, you know, refusing an NIT bid is different. You know, that's you should never do that. But you should, you know, and and one thing you should never refuse a home game in the NIT. No I mean, one not, would ever do that. that anyone I don't would ever do that. that also unprecedented. I don't have yes. time for your fantasies. I, you that, know, that I'm just. I know it's a hypothetical, but I'm just saying it's. You know, I think I, I think it would have been an interesting discussion. With the, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the CBI discussion would have been a little bit more interesting had IU won this game, played well against Purdue, and lost. But I think after this, any nope. shred, any shred of anyone who who would have even considered doing it, because I think there was a reasonable chance that if they beat Rutgers and then lost to Purdue, they wouldn't have made the NIT. Yeah, I mean, I the agree, reality I, is, I agree. I agree. And, they would have had so, to get to the semis. To and so at chance. that point, and so at that point, could you? Could you see a scenario where you talk yourself into it? While I would probably say eh, I would, I wouldn't do it. I, it the, you know, but the kind of taste in your mouth that you have after this game, I, I don't think is one that that probably, you know, certainly the way the team played doesn't reflect the team. Or at least the way the team played over the last twenty eight minutes doesn't necessarily reflect the the team that has the mindset that would be able to go out and and flourish in that kind of situation. Yeah. That is for sure. All right, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. There's no opponent to look ahead to, so we're going to skip that part, and then we will deliver our final thoughts of Indiana's loss to Rutgers. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's seven-point loss to Rutgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Just 
Something else to add to the litany of Big Ten tournament disappointments for Indiana, a list that is growing interminably long and hopefully at some point will, even if it doesn't end, is just interrupted by one year of unexpected success in the Big Ten tournament. Is that too much to ask for? 21 years of history would suggest that it is. Uh, so, okay. Anyway, we are, we are wrapping up our breakdown uh, of this loss, and this is the point in time where we hand out our game balls. And so, Ryan, we will go to you first for the challenge of picking out game balls from this Indiana performance. Uh, really? <laughs> um, does it have to be an Indiana player? Or? No. No, no, no. Uh, you can, the floor is open. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I'll go. I'll go. I, I, no, I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to give it to Al Durham's free throw stroke. Not Al Durham. Wow. Al Durham's free throw stroke because finally we had a reliable guy at the line who I was actually, when he was going to the line, I was like, hey, he might make these. And it was really the first time all year I felt that way. So I'll give it to Al Durham's free throw uh, shooting ability. If someone had told you before the season that Indiana's final game, the banner moment and first game ball would be Al Durham's free throw stroke, how would you have, how would you have expected the season to Actually, go? Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to alter this a little. Actually, it's, a little bit of how it went, quite frankly. It's Al, <laughs> it, it's, it's Al Durham's box score line, just because he had 10 points, with, as you mentioned, with no field goal attempts. And I don't think I've ever seen that. So kudos, Al Durham, for... for let's, okay, but let, let's pause on him for a second, uh, because... Like, I, I like the mentality that Al showed, you know, in the second half. Like, he, he was one guy who was at least kind of trying to be aggressive. And even though he's not really a three-point shooter and you don't feel especially confident when he's taking threes, you know, he took those two threes, contested threes, was probably kind of lucky to get fouled on him. But I continue to like his aggressive mindset getting to the basket. And if he can make free throws, well, that's going to make his higher free throw rate useful for Indiana. So, yeah, he's, he's got, got He's got to round out his game offensively, certainly. But Al was better this year than I expected him to be. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there was a stretch during the middle of the season where he kind of disappeared, but we expect that with a freshman. Um, but he, he, you know, there were aspects of his game that I really, really liked this year. Yeah, and he still projects as a guy who is a bit of a project that you hope by his junior and senior year can be giving you legit minutes. I mean, I think him playing as many minutes as he did this year was kind of indicative of how many holes there were in this roster and how limited Indiana was, you know, from a guard depth perspective, you know, probably thrust into a role that he wasn't ready for at this level of college basketball. But I just, I like his moxie, you know, like there's something about Al's confidence and willingness to just get his body just thrown to the ground in the pursuit of free throws that, uh, that I can respect. So solid game ball there, Ryan, Andy. Uh, I'll, I'll give mine to Freddie McSwain. I I thought stealing uh, my guy. You, I, well, you just went first. Do we have to for like 10 seconds? That is and a then terrible still, impression of me. And that is still, not what I sound like at all. Pretty spot on. It's pretty spot on. Uh, no, I mean, I, I really thought he came out with good energy really in the second half was the one guy who seemed to come out of the locker room with, um, you know, with a little bit of fire that, you know, made a basket and then had that, that, uh, that pass to Juwan for an and one that, that you mentioned earlier, Jared. And I thought, you know, I, I think it was it was somewhat hard for Archie to continue playing him when the offense was struggling so much and he wasn't really having a, a, a great defensive game. But I think activity on the boards was still good. Six rebounds, three, three of those on the offensive end. Um, you know, I thought at least from an energy standpoint and a guy who who really played hard and had others followed his lead, uh, I felt like the game could have been different. So he was really one of the ones from an effort standpoint that stood out to me. 
Yeah, look, I'm just going to give mine to Juwan. I mean, it wasn't one of his better performances of the year, but again, you know, you don't want to take projection for granted. And and Juwan did produce tonight, as I mentioned, 15 points, nine boards, and four assists. He was the one Hoosier who was a positive in terms of plus minus. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of the guys who played early in the game built up a pretty big plus minus, and then you know it all evaporated after that but you know Juwan was plus four and I continue to wonder you know maybe if he had gotten in a few minutes there at the end of the first half you know is anything different does he help stem the tide with a big rebound or a defensive play or a bucket when Indiana really needed one then you could also say maybe he picks up a third foul but he only finished with two for the whole game so you know that continues to be just an issue that I have philosophically uh, with our current coach Um, but I thought Juwan as he was all season long was Indiana's best player and I think maybe the biggest fault Indiana had in the second half was not being creative enough in how they got Juwan the ball. And so, you know, if he can play a few more minutes, if they can get him the ball in a few better spots to score, you know, maybe the outcome is a little bit different and Indiana can somehow scratch claw and steal, you know, a victory that they that they didn't earn, you know, given that Rutgers was the tougher team. Um, but it wasn't meant to be Indiana lost by seven. They deserve to lose by seven. Uh, and everything else is just kind of wishful thinking. Um, all right, gentlemen, what else is there to say? I mean, three game losing streak to end the season, more big 10 tournament misery, uh, for the Hoosiers. I, I think a C this was just a weird season. It started out with so much hope that a lot lately. <laughs> well, we have, and uh, you know, it's a season. It started out with so much hope. And then you immediately get smacked in the face with that Indiana state game and you get the high moment of Notre Dame, but then you come right back out and get a reality check with Fort Wayne. And then, you know, you have that awful game against Wisconsin. It feels like you turned around in big 10 play and that everything's building to this crescendo at the end of the year. And the bottom kind of fell out of it. And, and granted, we'd all feel a lot differently if, you know, Jackson shot at the end of the Ohio state game had just rimmed out instead of going in. And so sometimes basketball is a make or miss game. And, Jackson makes those shots. Rutgers makes all kinds of shots tonight. And now Indiana's lost two straight games instead of maybe they win these two games. But those shots went in and Indiana, you know, just wasn't able to make enough plays. And I kind of keep oscillating a little bit, Ryan, between, you know, disappointment because I allowed my hopes to get up during that four game winning streak. But then the reality check that you gave earlier about how limited this roster is, how few answers there were when Archie really needed to, to turn to them. And ultimately, you know, this game, especially how few answers he had. And it was just it was just a reminder of why Indiana needed a new coach in the first place <laughs> because of where yeah. things had fallen to at the end of the season and and where Indiana started. And while we all maybe talked ourselves into the idealized version of this roster, what we ended up getting this season, in part because of injury and in part, obviously, because of Curtis Jones not developing and transferring, you know, it was obviously worse than than I think what we expected in a lot of ways. Um, with a with a few bright moments, you know that kind of kept everything afloat as we went through it. Indiana finished with a uh, finished higher in the Big Ten than they were projected by almost every major publication before the season. Um, that said, the Big Ten was a lot worse than people thought it would be. So I'm not sure, you know, how to feel about it. I, I think that most people probably would have had us in the NIT preseason. Uh, at least, or, or maybe you know, a, a low. I, I don't think anybody would have had us in the in the in the major publications would have had us in the NCAs. But you know, at least an NIT berth, they're not going to get that. Uh, certainly, some of the losses were uh, below the level of whatever this team is. Even you know, I mean, 
they lost them, but at the same time, there's there are wins in there that should have been had. Uh, you know, if this team could, as we've talked about many times, if this team shot five to seven percent better from three, they probably win three, four more games um, during the season, just because those points were not there, and they're points that had been there in the past. Um, what I'll say about it, though, is. Uh, there were so many lows in this season, and I think what makes this season unique among the ones we've covered um, in our uh, what is this our seventh season doing this seventh season is there were the highs weren't there, they just weren't, and 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 you know usually there's at least one game you can look back on and say okay that was awesome you know at least that happened at least we can look back and be happy about that I mean last year you had Kansas and North Carolina North Carolina went on to win the national championship and Indiana beat them early in the year I mean that's stunning to think about how that season turned out um but th- that didn't exist this year um and I think that was a, a function of so much roster turmoil. I mean, whether it was the injury to Deron Davis, which is a guy they pinned a lot of hopes on to, you know, just Colin Hartman, who was coming back to be a leader his senior year and just never seemed to get healthy. Um, those were major, major problems for this roster, especially considering what we all thought was going to be the situation to open the year. Uh, so I, I think that there's disappointment there. There's also, as I said, just not that high you can look up, look up on and, and see, okay, there's hope because of this. Now, I think Archie's a great coach. I don't think anybody thought thinks or you know, of the credible national voices who know anything about Archie Miller before his time at Indiana. I don't think anybody thinks there is a chance that he fails at Indiana. And and, you know, these people are pretty smart. And, and I think that um you know, just from what I've seen, I like him as a coach. And I think that um, he's going to be, this is a very, but as I said earlier in the year, he's going to be fine, but this is a very important off season for him and the rest of the staff to figure out where the holes are, figure out what is different about coaching at Indiana than say Dayton or wherever else they've been, figure out the solution and, and, and get it fixed and get it fixed quickly because, you know, this isn't going to be acceptable next year. You know, you're right about what the national voices have said about Archie, uh, and I agree with them for what it's worth. Me too. But it's also fair to say th- a lot of those people were also telling us that we were crazy for expecting or, or demanding better than what Tom Crean was giving us. So you can't always trust the national voices. Well, let's be fair. I think that a lot of those na- those national voices were using that opinion because we had just won a Big Ten tournament the year or Big Ten championship the year before, and. But if you took a deeper look at what was going on in Indiana, there was a lot of schizophrenia to the program. And, and, you know, they're up one minute, they're down the next. And I think that that was what people were most frustrated with with that past era was up and down, up and down, up and down. It was a roller coaster, whereas they wanted steady. And and it wasn't necessarily about that there had been no success under Tom Crean. It was that the success didn't come consistently. And I think that's what most of those national voices missed when they were talking about it. And those people know Archie Miller's past and know he's a steady coach and, and so different than the past situation. I mean, if you look at his track record, at least. Yeah. Andy, you want to chime in on this before we hop into last call? I, I think he <laughs> fell asleep. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, no. 
I don't, I don't know that I, I mean, I was probably going to hit on something fairly similar in my, you know, my last call, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, I think Ryan's point about there not really being the highs was, is a good one. I, you know, Notre Dame game probably at the time felt like it and Notre Dame season hasn't been what they thought it would be. Um, and so I think that has something to do with it. Some of the shine came off of that later. Um, Maybe crush Northwestern. They made the tournament last year. That was <laughs> made the tournament last year. Excellent. Scratching the bottom of the barrel for some success stories. So I, th- I mean, you Ohio know, State was almost it, but yeah, it didn't it, happen. It, you know, I think that's it, you know that's one of the things that you'll look back on, and and hopefully, as you move forward, you know, they figure out how to get over the hump and 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 some of those things. But yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that's the part that's disappointing, and I think it makes it easy to overshadow the things that truly were you know, growth that we saw, improvement that we saw with turnovers and, and defense and, um, you know, laying the foundation for some of those things. But I think the fact that y- you didn't really ever, it, it, if you assume the reward for getting better at those things is is coming up with a big win or two, you never really got that reward. And I think we talked about that after the Ohio State games, what made that disappointing. It's like you kind of wanted to, for for the guys, if nothing else, be able to say, look, here's the, you know, the fruits of your labor and and the improvement are here. It's this kind of game. It's this kind of environment and those kinds of things. And I feel like we just kept kind of like punting that down the road thinking, all right, well, that's going to come. They're continuing to improve. That's going to come. That's going to come. And it just, just never did. No, it did not. You are listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. Remember that because you're an assembly call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at Hoosierproud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our assembly call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off of your entire order. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and it is time for last call. I, I never know on these some of these shows if we should spend more time digging into the minutia of the game, Indiana Rutgers, since you know we have assembly call radio, we could, we could save our post-mortem for that, but... It just it kind of felt like, uh, and I guess we did this a little bit after the Ohio State game too. You know, it just it kind of felt like it was it was appropriate because I don't know if any of us could really stomach going through any more of the details of, uh, of that game. Let's we just relive the first twelve minutes and then pretend that the final twenty eight minutes and didn't if you, happen. If you didn't watch the game and uh, you're listening to this and you didn't watch the game and you don't really know what happened inside out, just watch a replay of any Big Ten tournament game featuring Indiana ever, and that's what happened. We'll just go with that. But at least Indiana had the decency to lose this one, like, you know, with about 36 minutes left instead of having it ripped (laughs) from us with a last second shot. Like, you know, so at least there wasn't that. There was no Hoff Arbor shot, is what you're saying? Didn't need to mention the name. We all knew who was being referenced. (laughs) We all saw it in the pregame montage for the Uh, tournament. You know, just not necessary. I hate this tournament. I hate this tournament. <laughs> every I just year, do. Every just year do. he buys into it. This year's going to be different. And then halfway through, it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, no. Because it's, some, it's like free throws. Like at some point, we were going to have a great free throw shooting night. And here it was. At some point, we will play well in the Big Ten tournament. Like it has to happen. I don't think it does, Jared. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anything that says it, it does. I don't think there's a mathematical equation where it has to balance out eventually. <laughs> It was funny. My, my my wife said something. I don't know why she was looking at this, but last last night she was like, "All right, I used played thirty two uh thirty two Big Ten tournament games coming into to this game. How many do you think they won?" I without hesitation said seven. That's that. I mean, that's what which is wrong. It was actually more than that. But I, I was like, "Yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at." Like you think? I think 
I, I think Mike Davis actually won seven himself, and we've won like four since then, or something ridiculous yeah, he like that. He's the, he's the all-time. I think he was like seven and five, seven and six, maybe. Yeah, great. That's, That's where, where we are. are. That's just <laughs> fire that thing into the sun. We don't need. We don't need anything to do with it anymore. But on the bright side, this game was played in March, so we did get some March basketball. If we'd lost last night, we wouldn't have even played in March. So I'm just trying to find some silver linings here yeah, as we close this up. All right, last call. Yeah, Final on that, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, last call. Uh, Ryan, your final thoughts on this disappointing night of basketball for Indiana? Uh, you know, I think since we know all the players listen to this show, I'm going to talk directly to them. And, and I think the note, the note here is, and what this program needs to realize is that Rutgers just gave them a huge gift. And, and that's that they have this to think about for the next six months or however long it is. Um, this is, you know, this, the, they need to let this, this bad taste sit in their mouth and they need to use it as motivation, not as something that depresses you. This needs to motivate you because you need to, suck up this feeling from the last three games and realize that there are ways to make that so it doesn't happen again. Um, and, and they should use this as every time they're lifting and it hurts, every time they are shooting one extra, you know, they want to quit their shots in the gym or whatever. Remember how it feels right now. And remember what it feels like to lose to Ohio State on a three-pointer. Remember what it lo- it feels like to lose a winnable game at Nebraska and, and that those games ended your season and kept you out of the postseason. Um, every time you struggle with something, use that as your motivation to take it to the next, you know, to take your game to the next level. And uh, they'll be able to do it. If, if that's what they focus on, if they focus on how this feels right now and how the last couple games have felt and how it felt to, you know, lose at home to Purdue in a game they could have won you know, lose at home to Michigan State, the game they could have won. Uh, if they focus on that, uh, this team will get better and, and they'll all play better next year. And I think the coaching staff and the players all need to use that as motivation for next year because this is embarrassing. And going home, f- flying all the way to Madison Square Garden to play a bad 40 minutes of basketball, uh, that's an embarrassment. And they'll be hopping on a plane and flying back to Indiana and wondering what happened tomorrow and they need to as i said the off season the next season uh next year starts right now and, and they need to have that uh, mentality moving forward andy last call well uh i'll start this on a positive note by pointing out there is one indiana basketball team that is still playing the iu women won in four overtimes uh over michigan state in the women's big 10 tournament amanda cahill i think had 38 and tyra bus played all 60 minutes so uh so that'll be a nice quick turnaround for them to play again tomorrow. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things go well for them. Um, y- you know, I-, I don't know from a, you know, kind of processing the season standpoint, I can say a whole lot more than we already did. I think easy to overlook the positives and the strides that were made in the immediate aftermath of a loss like this. And so um, we've probably, you know, beaten this one into the ground, even without getting into the, the minutia, as you said. Um, so, you know, I-, I guess I would end it with, uh, you know, thanking the seniors who who played their last game. Um, again, you mentioned, you know, obviously I've enjoyed watching Robert Johnson play, but I think, uh, you know, the points you made about Freddie McSwain were uh, were exciting. And there's some guys that you only get for a couple years that you wish you could have uh, for longer or have had for longer uh, to begin with. And he definitely falls in that category. And, uh, you know, obviously Colin Hartman's senior season didn't go how he hoped it would from an injury standpoint. And Newkirk had his ups and downs and, and all those kinds of things. But, uh, 
you know, I think the the positive things that Archie said about those guys after the Ohio State game, um, you know, those don't go away because they didn't play well in this game. And um, and and again, as he said, hopefully when you look back on where the program, where he hopes to take the program, you know, he'll be able to look back on the season and some of the things those guys did foundationally. And so it probably doesn't feel like that right now. Uh, certainly not to those guys. Certainly not to certainly not to fans to a a lesser extent. And you know, as Ryan said, this will be something that hopefully they can build on and, and be able to look back on these, you know, how they didn't get over the hump in so many of these close games. And, and that's an area that they, you know, improve upon next year and, and things like that. So I am, I am no less excited for the Archie Miller era now than I, you know, was to start the season. I don't think, you know, that this should take uh, the shine off of any of the things that they were able to accomplish over the course of the season, but certainly uh, a bitter way to end it. And and what will certainly be an eventful offseason from a recruiting standpoint in the next few weeks that uh, everyone will quickly focus all their attention on, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, we'll start to look ahead to, uh, you know, to next season and what kind of strides these guys can make in, in year two of the Archie Miller era. But I think when you, you look at end-to-end uh, overall improvement, I think there are a lot of things to be excited about, uh, even though it's pretty hard to feel that way right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still really bullish on Archie Miller as a coach and on the Archie Miller era at Indiana, you know, some little quibbles aside, but you know, no, no coach is perfect. And, and, you know, there's always going to be quibbles that you have. And, um, you know, I think in times like these historical context is important. And I think it's important to remember that while some coaches step in like Chris Holtman did at Ohio State and they inherit, you know, a strong roster uh, and and they're able to get, you know, as much buy-in as they need right away and everything clicks right away and, you know, they're, you know, probably going to be a, you know, a top four seed and they had a really good season, you know, obviously it remains to be seen how he'll do at Ohio State, but some coaches start out really strong and other coaches it takes a little while. But just because a coach doesn't have great success in his first season – doesn't mean that great success might not be coming. You know, the, obviously, everybody, whenever a, a discussion like this pops up, much to Ryan's chagrin, people will mention Coach K, who really struggled his first three seasons in Durham, and I think was on the verge of getting fired, and then, you know, had a big recruiting class and, uh, you know, kind of got his guys through the system and they started to play better. And we know what's happened since. Uh, you know, I was seeing a couple guys discuss this on Twitter, uh, Jordan Wells. Uh, from the Hoosier.com, you know, cite a couple of examples. You know, Jay Wright, his first few seasons at Villanova, 19 and 13, 15 and 16, 18 and 17, you know, never winning more than eight games in conference. And then they started to get it going in the fourth year. Tony Bennett at Virginia goes 15 and 16, 16 and 15, his first couple of seasons. And then they got it going. Uh, and obviously we know where they are now. So sometimes, especially when you're changing the culture and changing the system as much as RG Miller is from what was there before. Sometimes it takes a little while and sometimes you've got to cycle out, you know, some of the guys who were there and get your own guys in. Um, and so I, I still think, you know, patience is important. Perspective is important and we have to keep looking for progress. And unfortunately we didn't see a whole lot of progress over the final three games but I do think, you know, in some areas we did see progress as the season went along. Um, and I think the overall trend was still one of progress from where this team started at the beginning of the season. So a lot, uh, you know, I still think there, there are many more reasons to be excited than there are uh, to feel down, despite the the way that the season ended. And obviously now we have a whole season to break those down and talk those up and and analyze what Indiana does this offseason and what our expectations are. Uh, for next season. And so 
we will uh, we will look forward to joining uh, you. Hopefully, you'll be with us as we go through. We'll continue to have Assembly Call Radio uh, every Thursday night into the off season um, and break things down and start working toward next season. This year ended way too abruptly, way too early, uh, much earlier than any of us would have liked. Um, but that's just what was in the cards for this season, and we look forward to to better and brighter days for Indiana basketball moving forward. Well, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again, unfortunately, not tomorrow night, but uh, next week, next Thursday for Assembly Call Radio. So we will have plenty of time to process this one before we talk with you again. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.